0: Question for you to get started. Can you think of the name of the company that produces the content that you consume the most on the internet? For me, the answer is starting strength. Second question Can you think of another company or a brand that produces the highest quality content of all the content you consume? For me, that's starting strength. So I show my support by subscribing to the network. It's $8 a month. You can sign up at network.startingstrength.com. If you can afford it, if it's no big deal, if eight bucks a month is a lot of money, don't sweat it and just keep listening for free. Uh, Speaking of the rich and the poor, if you're the former, you might be able to afford our gyms. But the good news is the first session's free. It's a free 30 minute coaching session. And if you mention this ad spot, At any participating gym, you will get a free 30-minute coaching session. So those are our ads. We are sponsored by ourselves. On with the show. Mildly entertaining, somewhat obscure guests, relatively interesting topics, semi-professional production quality, reasonably well-informed commentary, a great value for the money, hundreds of fans all around the world. It's the Starting Strength Gyms Podcast with your host, Ray Gillenwater. We're joined today by Andrea Mates. Andrea is a coach at Starting Strength Austin. She is a starting strength coach. She's a former teacher. She's a mom. She's a very pleasant person. Um, we even wanted to have her on the show because I think it's kind of cool that uh, – that andrea decided to switch careers you know kind of kind of mid mid-life mid-professional life um and jump into coaching over teaching i have a lot of assumptions about why that might be but figured it'd be cool to have andrea on the show to to tell us herself and then just to generally tell us about um her experience with starting strength what it's like to train and coach at starting strength austin what the program's done for her um and i'm also kind of curious about you as a coach, because when you think about a fitness coach, a strength coach, um, and, you, and you have a conception in your mind, the person's image that pops into your mind is, is probably not yours, Andrea, but I think it's kind of cool um, that you're breaking the mold a bit. And I also think it, it works great for our target demographic because we are – well, Austin is is on the younger side uh, in terms of the average member in the gyms, but but uh, franchise-wide, we're sort of a 40-plus gym, so I, so I imagine um, – coming in and seeing someone like you as a coach is, is comforting for a lot of people. So, so let's talk about all that first. Tell us, uh, tell us how you decided to, to become a, a starting strength coach and why you wanted to do this. And, and if you need to set that up by telling us your experience with starting strength first, that's, that's fine. So any, anywhere you want to go.
1: Sure. Um, and you're probably wrong about why I became a, a starting strength coach from being a teacher.
0: So it's not communism. Uh,
1: it's not communism uh i actually worked at the chaparral star academy it's this very interesting charter school and um i tell people i don't know that i would work for a different administration like i hear from like my other teacher friends about how they're getting thrown under the bus by their their principals and like my principal was super supportive and i'm just like please don't retire uh i i'd love to to keep working here so Uh, It was a surprise and a big switch to pursue uh, becoming a coach, but uh, so when I started lifting, which was 10 years ago, as of, so I started, yeah, so 10 years ago, I just celebrated the 10-year thing. Uh, There wasn't, there weren't starting strength gyms, but it so radically improved my quality of life. It was on my bucket list to become a starting strength coach, but that was supposed to be when I retired and actually had like the the capacity to think about finding my own clients and uh, practicing lifting or coaching lifts. Um, so that was way down the road. Um, but I was a computer science teacher. And uh, when I was uh, probably maybe my fourth or fifth year teaching, the state of Texas changed how it was going to sh- like basically education policy. It changed its education policy about computer science. And the downstream effect was that uh, my classes were going to be moved to another teacher in another department. And uh, I could saw, kind of see the writing on the wall that they were gonna ask me to teach something else. And uh, I had a really nice gig as a part-time teacher and the something else was gonna put me in a full-time position. And I I wasn't ready for that, I still, uh, one thing I've I've always worked part time and it's worked really well for my family for any number of reasons. So I wasn't ready to go full time. I wasn't ready to change my subject. So we were ready looking at, you know, some kind of career change for me, uh, and that coincided with the Starting Strength Gym's apprenticeship programming program coming online. So uh, I was a starting strength member from the day one, when it opened, uh, in 2019. Uh, so that's while I was teaching, I started hearing about the apprenticeship program, actually not from the coaches, but from startingstrength.com. Like, oh, there's this apprenticeship program. And so I asked, so I, I said, you know, would I be someone that could become an apprentice and they said, oh yeah which was very nice of them. (laughs) Well, you're smart. So so I, so I started the, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I started the apprenticeship program. You know, what that solves is that problem of where to find lifters. I was in a situation, my, my apprenticing schedule, let me see 20 or 30 different lifters a week. And, you know, in retirement, there was no way I was going to find a roster of 20 or 30 different lifters to see multiple times a week and you know work on their lifts and program for them like that's that's just completely uh like i, I literally can't wrap my my head around that being a possibility but at the apprenticeship program uh was like wow this is a streamlined process i can practice not only can i practice i can practice with Starting strength coaches looking over my shoulder, giving me feedback, all those things lined up. You know, there's the Texas education policy change. Um, I was already lifting at start. Oh, so starting strength Austin existed. Um, It did not exist when I first started lifting. One of those people who read the blue book and went and got a gym membership. The only requirement for that gym membership is that it had childcare, because I had toddlers at the time. Terrible squat rack, right up against mirrors, barely enough room to put plates on the bar, but you know, you can get strong in really awkward situations. <laughs> so starting strength gym started to exist and it started to, the first one was in Austin and uh the apprenticeship program started up right about the time that i was thinking hey what's next so
0: is that how your life like? nothing works? to do or, or what the, just fall into place like that naturally or is this an exception
1: well really weird things fall into place so my actual background is i'm a linguist my kids went to this school and i was just volunteering and the principal comes down the hall and is like can i talk to you i was like i'm in so much trouble And instead, she was like, would you teach computer science for us next year? And I was like, why do you think I can do
2: this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so I was talking to my husband, he is a professional uh, programmer. And he was like, well, you know, there are a billion free ways to learn. Why don't you just try picking up a programming language, see whether you even like it? and uh so i finished one particular online course in like two weeks so i was like okay i like this which language <laughs> and uh python python you know it's it's like the be- the beginner language that's really syntax easy
0: yeah not super um, low level high level so, enough to get stuff done without too much code um did, did your right, right. did your background um, in, in linguistics help you with learning how to write code
1: uh no, I mean, it's it, so I mostly just, you know, thinking systematically is is fun. You know, I, I like that. I like learning new things. Um, so people like to say uh, those who can't do teach. Yep. And I will say you don't have an option in computer science because if you need computer science teachers, you can get people retired from the industry. And um, schools are starting to set it up so that, uh, people who are retiring and don't want to pay thousands of dollars for an education credential, which is a waste of money um, can can become teachers or you end up with people like me that you retrain on the fly to be um, computer science teachers. So no, I can't program, but I can teach it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well my experience uh, in college as a computer science major was was similar, but I learned quickly that that it was not for me so I'm glad I switched. Um you mentioned something I wanted to ask you about which was you said that when you did the program it uh had profound changes on the quality of your life. I'm just curious if you could uh share some of those things with us. So what what was it that made you so excited about the results you were seeing?
1: I started looking around for how to get strong because um I was trying to get my toddler daughter into a shopping cart and I i almost dropped her
2: Mm.
1: and i was thinking you know i have very light children so like at one year uh my children were under 20 pounds right so like some kids have like 30 pound four month olds so i knew i objectively had light kids and i was still struggling with like an activity of daily life um and you know as a mom the idea of dropping your kid on asphalt in a parking lot is pretty horrifying Mm -hmm. so uh you know, the internet, how to get strong, starting strength comes up. Um, I read all the forum stuff. The the website, sorry guys, was really lame at that time. Uh so uh, I bought the book. I read the
0: book and Is it better now uh, though?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Right, good, yes. Right. Yes. Okay. I can't. I, I remember on the forums when someone was like, you guys got to like fix this website. This is ridiculous. Yeah. And it was nice to see that, that evolution.
0: I'm glad you like it um, now. Steph works her ass off on that site. Speaking yeah. of being a yeah, software I mean, engineer, makes... she's basically a, a software engineer Um, that just picks stuff up and is the system administrator for all things starting strength, you know?
1: So. Yeah. It's, I, I like that way of living of like, there's a problem and I need to solve it. So
0: uh-huh.
2: how,
1: how do I, how do I do that? And although that requires like time and interest. So like I was really upset at how much it costs to buy a bunk bed. So I, I learned how to build one. Hell yeah. So the, the wood was cheaper, but the time was expensive, but it was fine. Cause I was having a good time.
0: Sure. And oh. then you learn a skill that'll pay dividends later.
1: Yeah. So, and it hasn't fallen down. My kids are perfectly secure in it. But anyways, back to, <laughs> so I read the blue book and, and uh, it, it made sense. I guess uh, I have an affinity for textbooks or something. I was in school for a very long time. So, <laughs> uh, and I'm really fortunate because I had no background and I hadn't read anything else and I hadn't tried curls and I hadn't tried machines before it, it was, you know this was the first thing i encountered and it it worked so uh i read through the end i got to the programming chapter and it said here's workout a and here's workout b and you're going to add five pounds every time and um i remember very quickly being like this is crazy probably 95 pounds was was crazy squat weight Maybe it's the way that Ripito wrote the book. I was like, well, he seems like he knows what he's doing and I'm just going to trust this process that says I can add five pounds. So I kept doing that. I remember the first time I deadlifted my own body weight that was beyond my wildest imaginations of being able to do that. So i wasn't afraid to pick up my children anymore i think my body shape changed but the real thing was like i was heavier than i'd ever been as an adult mm. and uh that sort of mentally was really hard to deal with like oh my gosh i'm like 20 pounds heavier than i ever been It was probably like a 10 pound weight gain but You know, in my mind, my normal adult weight was like 140. I was postpartum, probably around 150. And I got up toward 160. Um, At what height? But I, uh, 5'4". 5'4", okay.
0: Um,
1: And and I didn't care. I was like, I have a body that can do things. I'm not afraid of falling down the stairs with uh, my laundry basket, which was one of my, whether true or not... um, it's a little hard to realize or, or to come to grips with like 10 years later. Um, cause cause now I've been substantially stronger for 10 years. But back then, like when I think about it, I was afraid to grab the laundry basket from upstairs and bring it downstairs. Cause I was afraid I was going to fall.
0: Yeah. Um, and are you cruising whether that actually would have happened right now? Body weight?
1: No, uh, I actually haven't weighed myself but like 160 would be a great weight. I'm probably heavier than that because I'm still nursing. I've uh, again, sort of like mentally, like I'm not getting on the scale when I'm done nursing, we'll like figure this out. Cause otherwise I'm just gonna diet down to 160. I was talking to Ina Koppel. I was like, I feel like I need to like lose weight. I'm ready for this baby weight to come off. And she was very gracious about it. She was like, in my experience, as soon as I lost weight um, nursing became more difficult.
0: Yeah, you and can't so lose like, weight when you're nursing, right?
1: I mean, you probably can, but you probably shouldn't, like, go on a cut. Sure, sure. <laughs> right?
0: That,
1: that shouldn't I, Yeah, be yeah I, I phrased that incorrectly. You can,
0: but that may, may not be ideal. I know my, my wife is nursing at the moment. We're seven weeks in, and she's, uh, she's about 14 pounds above her pre-birth weight. And um, luckily, right. her attitude about it is good. Like, hey, I've got to carry this extra body fat because I've got to feed this baby, you know? Um, right. I do, I do want to talk about this topic for a minute, just sidetrack briefly, because I know that uh, one of the biggest challenges we have with women, let's just say, and feel free to correct any of my uh, assertions here if you if you disagree, because you have more experience with this. You see more members than I do, because your gym is is full with the waiting list, and the gym that I coach at is, uh, is not quite as full. But in my experience, premenopausal women – um, the younger they are, the, the more pronounced this is really struggle with the psychological aspect of body weight. And, um, it's, it's a huge deterrent. So, so deterrent number one is getting into the gym is intimidating. Um, yes. deterrent number two is, uh, strength training is, is kind of a guy's thing. Cause I don't want to be big and muscular. Um, and Absolutely. then as a, as a kind of a subset of deterrent number two, it's almost like, well, and that, that means I don't don't want to be big. I don't want to be heavy. So can you, can you share your perspective on that as a woman, as someone who's done the program, who's gained weight, um, how you, how you square that, how you feel about your body image, um, and how you handle that with your members?
1: Um, so how I handle my own body image is, it's actually interesting right now because I'm, can actually, uh, My infant is old enough that I can actually see the light at the end of the tunnel for (laughs) nursing. And so it's good, there's this transition time. And what I'm thinking about is, uh, so I'm in the fitness industry and people have these expectations for what a personal trainer looks like. Um, Do I want to conform to that mold? Or uh, I I really enjoy my mom bod. (laughs) Which is which is a little thicker than the the uh, the personal trainer model. And uh, part of me has always enjoyed what I call stealth strength, where like people don't look at me and think she's strong until I like pick up a folding table. And I, I had this woman say, "Man, that must be a really light folding table." And so she went to pick it up, and she was like, "No, it's it, it's like." the the normal weight at the folding
0: yeah i just make it look like uh, uh, yeah.
1: yeah so so that's my current thinking is like my profession versus my my preference yeah. um but in terms of women and and their weight um i i don't have a good answer to that because people do have such varying tolerances for their understanding of themselves so for me um i'm a very pragmatic person so being able to do more and live in my own body better was so motivating that uh i got over the weight gain um but one thing that's nice about starting strength austin i would say the last time i looked we were about a third women Mm. uh which means that uh we have So obviously, on average, a third of the members in our our classes are are women, but we have some where maybe even half, uh, occasionally we've had more than half of a class are women. And one of the nice things that I've seen is for them to talk to one another about um, their weight gain. Um, Usually it's like I don't fit my pants because my booty has gotten bigger, which that that's really fun um, until they start complaining about needing to buy new jeans. Sure. Um, and,
0: and by the way, when they when they try- complain about the booty growing, they usually also say that the, their waist has gotten smaller, even though they've gained weight, right? If you want the fit, fitness model bod, uh, believe it or not, starting strength is is the best bang for your buck. Like, have you have you seen Amanda yeah. Shipley? Um, another example oh, yeah. is uh, is my wife. Um, if you, if you want to get strong and muscular and have that underlying shape, right? Because what's body composition? You've got what are the things that make you have a certain look? You've got your, uh, your skeleton, you've got fat, and you've got muscle. So your skeleton kind of gives your body the base shape that it's always going to have. There's no change in that. <clears throat> and then muscle, especially on a woman, provides a lot of the shape and the curve. Um, and then fat adds to that. Uh, it can detract from that if, if it becomes too much. Um, But how do you optimize body composition? Well, you get as much muscle as possible. Um, And for women, that ends up, um, you know, like women deposit fat and muscle more behind the femur than in front of the femur as compared to men, just hormonally, for example. Um, And if you want to have that super lean, muscular, shapely bod, you can do that with starting strength. Um, but I, I do find that a lot of people have trouble with the the nutrition side of things, which is why we, we launched our nutrition coaching. Um, and that was available at starting strength Austin first. So it's like, okay, yeah, you want to get stronger, uh, but you also want to look good. How do you do that? And the answer is making sure your total caloric intake is, is where it needs to be like a slight, um, a slight surplus so you can gain lean body mass, but without putting on too much fat. And making sure your macros are dialed in, especially protein as high as possible. Um, and this happens with both men and women, uh, especially men that that kind of misunderstand the uh, the advice on Rips' podcast and from the book. Where if you've got a forty five year old guy, and to get your two hundred grams of protein or two hundred fifty grams of protein, you're eating you know four cheeseburgers a day or or whatever. Like it's you may not be too happy with the type of weight that you gain. Um, so I do find it interesting, but I, but I also you know, I I don't think we'll ever be, I don't ever think we're gonna kind of lean into the marketing on the aesthetic side of things. It's just not really who we are, even though I think we do it better than others and, and having a strong base of muscle is uh, is important to aesthetics. But, um, I do think we will lean into the function thing for sure, because, uh, you're still a a young woman and, 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 uh, women much older than you certainly seem to have the practical point of view as well. Um, and everyone has their own level of of vanity, which varies as as you go through different stages of your life. Um, but there are lots of older gals at the Boise gym who, uh, they don't, their primary motivation, um, was not vanity. When they came into the gym, yeah. their primary motivation yeah. was: I need to improve my function. I need to make sure I yeah. don't fall down when I'm walking from my car to the house. You know, I need to make sure when yeah, I go see my... my MD that my blood report shows that I'm not pre-diabetic. Um, yeah, you know this type of stuff. And then typically, I find if 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 uh, gals like that will follow the advice of hey, improve your protein intake, um, yeah. but also keep your diet clean you know like eat like an adult but just more protein yeah that's yeah. typically when we see the um the booty growing but the waist shrinking and and just one more point on that so another another um misconception or or another another problem that we have overcoming is the actual number on the scale because yes. one one thing one thing that i have trouble explaining to people who are are new to the idea of adding muscle, especially women, is that your body weight can go up while your body fat percentage goes down, so you can gain yeah, weight one and be leaner.
1: Extreme story: We had a woman gain twenty pounds and her clothes fit better. Right, um, like that. I I always caveat that with that's not normal <laughs> but she, she was also an athlete she she was phenomenal herself but it is completely possible sure. um to to gain weight and have your clothes fit better and that's one of my encouragement to women is like find uh instead of the the scale weight find something you want to fit in and uh you know just periodically try it on because that's actually what you care about right is looking good in your clothes. We just tend to use, like in our minds, we think the, the, the scale weight is going to express that. Um, but actually we'd like to not muffin top over our jeans, right? Actually, we, we'd like to not have fat rolls under our tank tops. So,
0: (laughs) which is always a problem in the kitchen, not in the weight room.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, And that's, that's tricky as a, as a coach is to realize how much, um, we don't have control over. Mm -hmm. So there's one part that's like, I'd like you to improve your, uh, sleep and your eating to improve your recovery. And then eventually after you've given that advice or tried some nudging, you realize you just have to treat that person, um, for the recovery that they can have. Mm -hmm. And frequently that means they make smaller. Jumps in in the weight on the bar. Um, uh, They need programming that adds weight to the bar, like on a weekly cycle or bi weekly. If it's really tough, like every three or four weeks. And that's just the reality of, you know, varying people where they're vegans, they're vegans and they, you know, are working a stressful job and they don't sleep. So then, program than like an advanced
0: lifter. Sure. Yeah. Cause you're not making progress three times a week with that kind of nutrition and sleep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a gal at at the Boise gym at the moment who uh, is pretty typical. Um, she looks great. She's thin. Um, she's, she's strong getting stronger, but the, the progress is pretty slow going because she has been convinced, um, by popular diet culture that carbohydrates are the devil. Um, and so I'm trying to Remove the emotional view of what carbs are and and uh, how they should be judged, and just kind of bring it back to the practical. And just to share with you all, yeah. um, you know, you, you, strength training is an anaerobic activity, so you need uh, readily accessible fuel in order to to provide the energy required to um, do that sixty second set of five under the bar on on, on your squat. Right, so um, you need uh, readily available energy. Um, you need uh, you know readily available sugar, and um, eating carbohydrates is is useful for that. I mean, yeah, you can be fat adapted and do the long, slow distance and aerobic stuff all you want, but if you're doing anaerobic work, carbohydrates are the fuel for that. So um, okay, you know, I know carbs aren't your thing, and you've been using them to maintain this a, a body type that you prefer, but uh, I do need you to try to eat some carbs before and or after and or during your workout at minimum, just so you don't start getting pale on the platform. And so you can actually put up the weight and, and uh, progress and then and then get stronger. And then other than just having the energy to perform the workout, just so everyone knows the other argument is, um, is in favor of recovery.
1: That's where I feel like we have to um, uh, be a little more careful about the, the carb thing. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also tricky, because I have found that our lifters who are pre-diabetic or diabetic, um, probably they've self-selected as members of our gym. They care, like they are, um, they care about what they eat. They're paying attention and they do tend to eat very few carbs. Uh, I have one that is keto thinking about carnivore? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, uh, yeah, that—that's a. I feel like that's a different category from uh, someone who is not diabetic choosing a low-carb diet, mm-hmm. and I haven't quite figured out how to to coach that yet.
0: Yeah, it's tough. So. It's uh, it's changing someone's beliefs, which is which is difficult. Um, but typically if you can show performance, if you can show improvement in an area that's important to the person that might, uh, that might open up their mind. Um, and, and although at
1: the same time, um, I feel that one thing I've appreciated about the women with, uh, I'm just going to call them interesting diets, uh, is that none of them have asked me why the weight on the bar doesn't go up faster. Hmm. Like they are content with what I program for them. And um, so starting strength done doing actually the programming eating what we consider to be sensibly efficient, effective progress weight on the bar. So then you take the, the diet part and you make it very suboptimal. Uh, as a coach, it's frustrating uh, when I have young men who won't eat and then are frustrated that the weight on the bar doesn't go up. Mm. I'm sort of like, uh, (laughs) I can't help you there. Uh, But for the women, they have this attitude of I want to get stronger and I'm willing to do this slower. And so that part as a coach, I appreciate. So there's the nudge along, like here are the benefits and the usually they're maybe around the holidays or on a vacation they realize oh i ate more and i feel so much better now that i'm back so like you start to make those connections mm. but uh, at, at the same time there's this sort of give and take of fine you're going to have a suboptimal diet and as long as you accept that we're going to make strength gain slower we're on the same page. Like being on the same page is great. It's the young men where I'm like, I kind of want to throttle you. (laughs) Like if you're going to like lose weight over Christmas, come back and say, why, you know, why is the weight on the bar so light? It's like you you went home and lost weight over Christmas. Like who even does that? Do you hate your mother? Like, (laughs) I, I
0: don't know. I hope these are the questions you ask in the gym. Yeah.
1: Uh, I might sometimes do that. Yes. <laughs> um,
0: so tell me about your, your average member in Austin. What's the, uh, what's the archetype over there? What, what's what are they like? What are they in the gym for? What type of results do they see? Cause you guys are, you guys are pretty full. I think you've got a waiting list, don't you?
1: Yeah, we, we are pretty full. So again, these numbers may have changed about a third women. Um, I think we had like 10 to 15% of them are over 65. Um, my class, I have two 69-year-olds, a 72-year-old, uh, a woman in her 50s, a um, couple 40-something-year-olds. Um, I probably have more of the older people than, than the other classes. But maybe on paper we have younger people, but I feel... And that's probably because we have tech workers who can afford yeah, it exactly. in their twenties and thirties. Um, but by and large, when I've been doing intros, it's I've been sitting for two years during COVID and I realized that's a bad idea. So mm-hmm. here I am. And,
0: and your gym isn't young. So, it's maybe five years younger on average than, than another gym, but still younger.
1: Right, so I would say maybe late thirties, mid forties, male. It is a pretty common um yeah would be a pretty common lifter for us
0: and if i can't if i come into the gym and i walk around the room and, and look at these guys moving weights around what what sort of numbers are they putting up just you know average uh run-of-the-mill um type numbers on any given day
1: Okay. I'm going to caveat this with, we have the first gym, which means we have run out of the low hanging fruit of people who already know starting strength. Uh, So we're pretty happy if we get a guy to like a 315 squat and like 365 deadlift.
0: Coming Um, from where? I realize like starting where?
1: Oh, probably coming from like 135 on, on a squat because they, or even less sometimes like 95, 115. Because yeah. again, two years COVID sitting in a chair, um, tech workers, so they're not like world beating athletes. Like, I think we had one guy briefly who was like a scholarship football athlete, and it was mind blowing. It's like we never interact with people like this. Right. Guys
0: that actually can learn the movements the first time you show it to them and uh, are at 20 pounds per workout for a couple of workouts and that kind of thing. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I find that most of them are teachable. They want to, um, get better. And so, you know, low back control might be something that they really don't get. They've never thought about their low back and, um, but it's something that over time improves. And it's wonderful to be able to tell them that. It's like your your lifts today were better than last time. And um, for all you other uh, apprentice coaches, uh, when you get to the platform exam, you're working with people who have paid money to do the starting strength seminar. And there's a little bit of buy-in on being yelled at and moving um, Properly Mm -hmm.
2: Uh,
1: in the starting strength gym, what I've seen is we have people who want to get strong and they're entrusting themselves to us for it, but they have no idea. Mm. Like they, they are not barbell people. Um, It's very rare for me to encounter someone who has done other, done any barbell lifting, and if they have, they've bench pressed. Um, So I think that's great. I know. I know Rip talks about people have an image of the squat. I'm like, not my people. (laughs) (laughs) It's not about upright. It's not about horizontal. It's like, uh, you you want me to, do. they cannot even picture. So it's good that we have icons on the wall. It's like, okay, that like, they have a thing. Oh, okay, there's going to be this bar on your back and you're going to go down and then you're going to stand up Uh, there. The other thing I try and tell apprentices is Use fewer words because by the time you're done teaching them the press, they're overwhelmed, Mm. like probably halfway into the press. They are on information overload because they don't have any mental schema for squatting they don't have any any mental schema for low back control. Mm. Um, They they haven't had to manage balance at that um, position. Yeah. We're asking a lot of them. Mm. And to me, that's a reason to uh, be more concise with your instruction. Um, Just be kind to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you see the eyes, uh, glossing over, then maybe, maybe leave out the hip bounce for the next session. You can just teach a strict press on session one, you know, that kind of
1: stuff. Well, also nervous new, um, apprentices like to say, I want you to, um, do this because of that and then we're going to like the the they talk in paragraphs
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um and they're really polite so my advice is like you've got to kind of feel like an asshole like 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 you'll feel like you're so short with them Uh that you haven't added anything polite in there and you're doing them a service Mm -hmm. to to do that
0: that's what they're paying for you need to cue them not uh, lecture them
1: it's well, yeah, there, there's that, but also just respecting their um, cognitive capacity to process stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. That's um, a good way to put it. And that's
1: in the intro, not just when they're under the bar, mm-hmm. like when you're talking about three things to notice here, you know, your back is more horizontal, your knees are tracking with your toes, you're at depth.
0: Yeah. So keep it simple. So let, let's go back to your story. What, what, uh what were your numbers when you started and what are your PRs?
1: Um, I actually looked this up, my squat was uh, 45. Uh, My press was the 15 pound bar. Uh, so they didn't have a 35 pound bar. So my bench, I didn't, I think I didn't think to load the 15 pound bar. So I think I benched 45 and felt really scared and that was too heavy a weight and I deadlifted um 95 hmm. and um my PRs are a 255 on the squat 102 and a half on the press 126 on the bench and 305 on the deadlift
0: nice you're pretty close to getting your sticker
1: okay you go- oh that's true the sticker yeah. yes maybe the sticker we'll see in the mean t- in in those 10 years i've had three surgeries so oh, uh i i am very well versed with novice linear progression <laughs>
0: <laughs> i've been through a few bouts myself <laughs> so yeah. what uh so you, you mentioned that your goal was to get stronger um so hit us with the, with the conclusion. Did you achieve your goal? What were things like post getting stronger versus before getting stronger? Walk us through these uh, quality of life changes that you mentioned.
1: So quality of life change, not being afraid to move the laundry basket, um, not being afraid to pick up my kids, uh, generally being more confident in life. Like I can take care of myself. I can do things that are hard. Um, I remember the first time I was on a cut and getting under the squat, getting under the bar for the squat, which I already hate. I have anthropometry that's not squat friendly um, and telling myself you are stronger than you think you are. And that, I think, is generally a good thing to believe about yourself. It's a generally good thing to experience. Um, uh, I feel like I've had as much improvement in sort of my my mental and spiritual life from lifting as I have from, um, you know, just being able to produce force against objects.
0: And is that a confidence thing primarily, or is there something else that you are referring to?
1: Um, for the mental health side, I, I would say it's, um, doing things, even when they're tough, mm. um, there's been a lot of just life, tough things in the past 10 years because life,
2: right? yeah, that's life yeah.
1: I mean, if you're the lucky person who has never experienced hardship or doesn't on a regular basis, fantastic. But my family has had like some serious ups and downs, ups and downs and, um, Being able to remember I I do hard things Mm. is is really helpful. I am not gonna be crushed by this emotional weight that I am under. Um, That I don't think I had before. Um, Definitely when I had my first child, um, I think it's flipped a switch, some sort of switch of like you are weak and frail now. You don't know what you're doing and, you need help. Um, And I don't think that anymore. So I have tweens, and then I have this infant now. And it's a totally different well, fine, I'm 10 years older. But it's a very, it's a very different uh, parenting experience. Um, I don't feel frail. um, When I'm exhausted at four in the morning like I was those those first months. Um it's like this is temporary. Like I am am I miserable? Yes, I am totally miserably underslept, but um it'll be okay. So some of that is I've done it twice before. Hmm. You know, I've gotten two kids out of toddlerhood. They didn't die despite my ignorance. Hmm. Um but some of it also is that regular practice of dreading the squat and like doing it anyways and mm. being miserable and like standing up and uh they be like oh thank god it's over
0: mm-hmm. um tell me about pregnancy as someone who's strong versus can, can you can you compare the two experiences so so pregnancy with your twins before strength training versus this latest pregnancy after have, already having been strong
1: um sort of the problem is they're 10 years apart. Uh, I am in less, I, I remember that I was in a lot more pain, uh, for the first two pregnancies. Um, I had before I was lifting at 26, I had hip surgery. So like the hips have never been normal. Well, they weren't normal before or definitely after surgery. They're, they're not great. And, um, so, uh, I experienced a lot of low back pain with those first, um, pregnancies. And this time I was telling someone I'm in really good shape. So did eventually things feel wonky? Sure. But not at like week 10 and 12, like week 30 something.
0: Um, and what does wonky mean?
1: I think also, uh, my SI joint tends to lock up and be irritated. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to be very careful in the squat to make sure my knees are out or else my hip flexors on the right side get really upset. Um, uh, Interestingly, I was having some hip flexor pain, went to an ortho, and he actually did an MRI and he said, I could go in there and do something, but there's no guarantee. Why don't we just wait until you have a hip replacement? I was like, sure, that sounds good.
0: So you're saying that if
1: I, if I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have gotten the surgery at 26. Right,
0: right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, comparing one pregnancy to the other, you're saying that 10 years later, your latest, you know, um, oldest age pregnancy is the one where your body felt better for longer.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: That's pretty cool. What about, I'm uh, I'm
1: really happy. I'm really (laughs) happy about that.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. Some women, uh, you know, we 've had a baby a bunch of our friends are having kids I'm seeing the the different experiences between women and it uh, it varies wildly and I, I know that uh, Kathy yes. had a had a, a fairly pleasant experience overall and I am quite confident that's due to the fact that she's healthy and strong and um, she's dealing with this whole trying to adjust to having a higher body weight too when we first met she was like 124 pounds 126 pounds something like that um, and now she's in the 140s postpartum she was uh, she was in the 130s right before she got pregnant and um, since she has a, a strong base of muscle she's got great shape and she can carry the weight and and she looks awesome and and she feels good um, and she's healthy healthy and the baby's healthy and I know that a lot a lot of uh, that yeah is, that's is that's really yeah um, can you can you also talk to me about postpartum um, t- talk to me about what what has been different for you postpartum? Being strong versus So uh,
1: this is me just being opinionated. I was able to have like normal unmedicated vaginal deliveries for the first two, but we had a, a medical situation where I had to have a C-section for this most recent pregnancy. And mm-hmm. I just, I'm going to say to the world, ladies, don't volunteer for the C-section. It's yeah. so hard to recover from.
0: You mean abdominal um, surgery? You don't... You don't think just going right, you know like to cutting Donald through straight. multiple
1: yeah. layers of self it's like yeah.
0: 40 plus percent of all childbirth uh in in brazil is is c-section at this point yeah
1: i i, I read about that yeah. and I, I wonder if it's because they don't know the the options like fine i was 10 years younger but recovering that was a lot better um so to say recovering from a c-section is the only one i've had um it, it was difficult um, I hired, uh, a coach with progressive rehab and strength who, uh, works with pelvic floor issues as a barbell coach. Um, uh, I think I started around week 11 to get back under the bar and I didn't know my body, I was like, where's depth on the squat. Like I would think I got there, look at the video and be like, nope, hmm. not there. Um, controlling 11 my weeks after back. giving birth. Yeah. Um, low back didn't necessarily know what it was doing. Uh, it's a big deal to cut through all those layers and and recover from it. Um, and I have I have no metric for knowing whether an earlier C-section would have been more difficult or not.
0: Interesting. But, uh, yeah, Kathy's thinking about getting back under the bar. Um, and I know her her hip anatomys changed her, you know, femoral angles have changed. Um, the relaxing hormone towards the end of pregnancy is interesting. I'm not sure what effect that has, uh, postpartum, if ligaments are actually looser or if, the, if things kind of tighten back up, yeah, something worth researching. But, um, but yeah, she's looking forward to, to getting back under the bar and, uh, she's in no rush though. Cause she's, she needs those calories. Yeah. You know, she's breastfeeding. Um, one, one actually last thing I want to ask you about, uh, unless there's anything else you want to talk about is what, what was your um, what was it like for you during pregnancy? Cause I talked to Shelly Wells, who's another one of these like fitness model type gals um, in the starting strength community. And she was saying that she struggled with these expectations of being this, you know, pregnant fit lady, like on Instagram and, and uh, that was tough for her to deal with. And, and Kathy had a similar situation where she kind of felt like, uh, you know, to, to be, to be a strength trainee to to be a fit woman she's got to train all the way through pregnancy and you know be under the power yeah. with a big belly yeah. and all this stuff and i'm glad that she she didn't beat herself up too much because she she can be hard on herself like we all can be and uh she actually just kind of stopped training um almost immediately just because she wasn't feeling great and and did kind of minimal mm-hmm. activity roller skated for the first trimester yeah. and then yeah and then didn't do much other than walk and uh the fact yeah. that she had such a strong strength base made it so that she she's prepared for that, for being sedentary for, you know, better part of a year, if not more. So I'm just curious if you yeah. struggle with that at all, what's your take on it? How do you advise your clients?
1: So, uh, I'm actually, this, this reminds me, I need to finish, uh, the article I, I want to submit to rip about, uh, uh lifting in a high risk pregnancy. Mm.
2: Uh,
1: so, uh, I also wanted to, to set prs you know like while pregnant because isn't that cool um and then we found out that uh we had a there was a low-lying placenta and basically it covers the birth canal and that's really really dangerous right like that's how you get like victorian blood baths in order for the baby to be born and it has to break through the placenta wow so, Terrible, terrible um, situation. Uh, and so I had a thought. I had a very reasonable um, maternal-fetal medicine doctor. Uh, we talked about, hey, the the issue is intra-abdominal pressure. We don't want it to rise so high that we might um, rupture blood vessels in the placenta. I felt like we had like a, a conversation that I could understand uh, because. The restrictions when you, this you is called placenta previa, the restrictions when you have placenta previa are really intense. They don't dangerous. want, you, I mean, I understand it, it really, it, you can really put the the baby at risk if you start bleeding and they can't get it to stop, they will deliver the baby, Yeah. Um, yeah. for, for very good reason. Yeah. Um, so then the question was, uh, so what, what does lifting look like? in in that situation and modifying things along the way um and so that quickly killed the i want to get my 315 deadlift by the end of the year (laughs) so that goal went priorities the wise Ina Koppel again was like the baby is the pr nice that's a good that's good that's good the baby is the pr
0: i wonder if there's Um, anyone like walk you off the cliff with more experience with starting strength in pregnancy than Ina, with the amount of pregnant women in her gym, all, over all those years, you know, so she's she's the one to ask.
1: Yeah, she's the fairy godmother
0: of <laughs> of, of training
1: while while pregnant. Yep. Uh, so that so the mindset had to change, and then as a coach, it was really interesting to think of well, what what is lifting like when you don't want to raise intra abdominal pressure. Um, excessively or whatever, uh, in heavy. a way that would endanger. That's what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's not heavy. Um, probably the first thing I took out was the squat. Um, you know, you have relaxing, there's a lot of downward pressure. Uh, so eventually everything I did was supported. So lat pull down. So I was sitting on a bench, um. I bench pressed. Um, so those are, and then eventually I, I started swimming just cause I needed something to help get the weight. <laughs> I was like, yes, water will give me some buoyancy. Hmm. Um, so, so that's, that's where I ended up. So it was an interesting thought experience. It was probably a good mental health check of like, really don't beat yourself up on yep. who you have to be during pregnancy. Yep. Um, it's not about the outside world. It's about your family.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's about protecting this, uh, this potential for life, which, uh, which which makes you reshape all your priorities, doesn't it? How do we attract more people like you to the apprenticeship program? Because I think if we had someone like you in each of our gyms, the, we would, we would break the fitness mold better and we'd be able to appeal to average people better. And, uh, you know, cause, cause as you can, as you can tell the way that I'm trying to communicate the value of this thing to the public is I'm not selling image, I'm not selling sex, I'm just right. selling functionality, yeah. logic, um, and efficacy essentially. And someone, someone like you, who's just, you know, totally clear, totally sober, fairly objective. Um, this just has discovered this thing because it is useful and it improves quality of life and you want to share with others. Um, you know, former teacher, middle age, career change type thing. Like I... It's it's a unique it's a unique situation. How how do we attract more people like you?
1: One I was like, "Oh, you know, all the excuses for why this wouldn't be replicable. I'm a unique snifflick Um but I my guess is it's actually going to be similar. You're going to fish in the pool of your members. Mm. Um I think you're right. Because they're going to under they have that like, "Oh, this changed my life." And also because there'll be that relationship um, uh, between the coach and that lifter where the lifter can approach the coach and say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about that. Or the coach can see, you know, knows that family, knows that lifter well enough to say, hey, you know, like, I think this might be a good fit for you because they know enough of the context of that that person's life.
0: Well, um... If anyone out there is listening, and you are or know a wise, strong mother who's bought into this, that might be a good fit. Um, I know that may not be a thought that you had in the past, or so like, oh, maybe I should become a coach at a starting strength gym. But I just want to let you all know that I, I think it's a great fit. So if you're interested, get yeah. in touch with Ina. What'd you call her? The Oracle, or what? What's her?
1: I I, I think the fairy godmother. Fairy mother.
0: godmother. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, where can people find you online?
1: um the easiest is amates at ssgyms.com. uh i have instagram Andrea mates underscore ssc
0: m-a-t-e-s and,
1: yes m-a-t-e-s yeah it's as boring as it sounds <laughs>
0: Very good. Well, I appreciate your time today, Andrea, and uh, and thanks very much for um, setting a good example for our lifters and for other coaches and for holding things down over there in Austin. The gym is kicking ass, and I hear nothing but positive things. So thank you very much.
1: Well, come over and visit. We've got a barbecue for you when you get here.
0: That's probably the thing I'm most motivated by. Uh, see. So I'll bring Lily by sometime and we'll hang out.
1: Oh, that'd be fantastic. All
0: right. Thanks, Andrea.
1: See
2: ya. See ya.